قالت انه مو ممكن انه نحط عليها قرية يعني بس مثلا نرجع On on. Okay. Welcome everybody to the Safina Saadi Nothing But Facts podcast on this wonderful Monday where it's crisp out but it's not cold and it's not nasty and it's not cloudy and uh, we are... Uh, on our regular schedule now that uh, Thanksgiving break is over, which is always one of my favorite times of year because, like, you have this Thanksgiving break and then you end up basically looking forward to the winter break. And, of course, this winter break we're going on Umrah, and it's our first ever Umrah for youth. All right, it's our first ever Umrah for youth program uh, or, or, or uh, trip, I should say. And it's something that I'm looking forward to big time because... A lot of people, groups, do Umrahs. But the Umrah that I want to look at, the, 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 the way that I want to do it, is I want it to, to, to be done specifically for high schoolers, right? That they're about to enter into the impressional phase, uh, going to college and being influenced. And I want them to at least have a Muslim mentor that, or someone, maybe mentor is a big word, but someone they could go to. Somebody that they could, that they could meet up with. I don't think we're on Instagram, by the way. I don't think so. It's not showing up for me. Like someone that they could go to, somebody that they could meet up and know and have spent a week with them. So the ratio, we're going to have like a ratio of like one to four. For every four high schoolers, we'll have like a college kid. Not a college kid, but a student. Like one of our students here. Somebody who's been around the masjid, someone who knows what we're doing here. That could be a good influence to them. So that's the first thing, and uh, someone who can answer their questions, somebody who they could connect with, because not everyone's going to connect with everyone else, and not everyone has time. So when we divided up the work, uh, that's the idea. And we got plenty of students here. We got teachers at Darul Fatih. We got friends and tulab ilm and people who are trustworthy and knowledge everywhere. So we want to basically connect them and put them together. They spend eight days with each other, and they get to know each other. And of course, families can go. Uh, no problem with families attending and we have some families and we're not going to say no to that so that's uh, where we're headed this December and something else this December uh, Safina Society is divided into basically two entities Entities. one entity is the stuff that requires the community to put together and the stuff that requires a lot of funds and is a traditionally like a loss it's like a net loss and that is like the soup kitchen the college, Umrah for Youth, Hifz Academy. Starting tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to start our December campaign to cover our, 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 our basically our management, um, uh, our costs for the next year. And we're going to start with that. And it, we're also going to reveal the official name that we gave our soup kitchen. So instead of the soup kitchen, it's going to have a name. So, all right, now today's program is Asbab al Nuzul by Imam al Siyuti. That's the first thing we're going to cover. And then we're going to cover, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go to open QA. And then we're off the air at around 3. We're going to pray Asr. And then we're going to go on to, to, to uh, the telegram, the intro to Madiki Fiqh part 2. Or intro to the Madiki Madhab. Not really Madiki Fiqh, but the Madiki Madhab. All right. And we're going to see. Uh, uh, if you want to join that, you can go to the Maliki School's Instagram page. You get onto the Telegram account. I haven't converted to Telegram. I've been resistant. I don't know why. It just bugs me. I'll tell you what bugs me about Telegram. Every single time one of my contacts joins Telegram, I have to get a message. I just flooded with messages. So-and-so joined Telegram. It's a waste of a message, Right. Just put one thing that says your friends that are on Telegram. That's it. Every single time I get on Telegram, look at this. Thou hundreds of thousands of messages. So-and-so joined Telegram. What do I care? Right? It's Look at this. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Look how many scrolls. All, neither I am. I'm not, I haven't converted to Telegram yet. A lot of my friends, they swear up and down by it. Uh, 
all of Dar al-Fatih, they chose Telegram. Um, I have to get used to it, I guess. Yeah. A lot of what? Pornography. Pornography, how? Yeah. Like, it'll just, like, show up with random people, like, like when I was in You're kidding. Yeah. Uh, how do they get your number? Well, it's sound. It's like how, like, those spam callers get our number. Like, yeah, that's true. I always wondered that, like, where did they just, like... Spam must be, at some point, someone hacked into, like, a database that you're part of, like, Hertz Rent-A-Car or something, like, innocent, something lame like that, uh, that you joined. Okay. So uh, the that page is the Madiki. Uh, it's called the Madiki School. Let me just double check that right quick. Yeah, it's called Introductory Introduction Course on the Madiki School. An introduction to the Madiki School. Okay. So I come in here and there are 135 messages. Am I going to catch up with that? It's impossible, right? So um, anyway. That's technology and social media. There comes a point where can't do it anymore. Cannot keep up with all the messages. Look at this. I have a, a, a Madiki Fiqh telegram. 3,000 messages. Who's catching up with that stuff? Madiki Fiqh. Dar Fats group chat. That's probably in the 5,000s. Who's catching up with this stuff? I need a PA. Yeah, I can't wait to the day I have a personal assistant. I want a personal assistant. They're no, they're going to do everything. I'm not going to drive anymore, right? Uh, I'm not going to drive, and I'm not going to, and I, and I can, and they'll, they'll handle the messaging. All right, Surah Al-Nazi'at. I don't want many. I don't like the elite lifestyle, but there are certain things I won't mind, like a PA. Okay. Surah Al-Nazi'at. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi. Sahbihi. Wa man wala. Akhraja Sa'id ibn Mansur an Muhammad ibn Ka'ab qala lamma nazala qawluhu. A'inna lamardooduna fil hafirah. Are we going to be re- returned back? Okay. Qala kaffaru Quraysh la'in huyyina ba'da al-mawti. Okay. Are we going to be brought back to life? They did not believe that you'd be brought back to life. Why wouldn't you believe you'd be brought back to life if you were brought into life in the first place? Like, why would that be so hard to, to, be, to exist a second time? Wouldn't the existence the first time be the proof that you can exist a second time and a third and a fourth if Allah wanted to? Right? So... Is it far off to say someone's going to win the championship when they've already won a championship, right? They've already won one championship. What's the surprise they're going to win a second one or a third or a fourth? So Allah then revealed, Also in Surah Al-Nazi'at. They said, well, if that happens, we're, we're going to be in trouble. Well, if you're admitting that, you fools, is your ego that bad? that you know you're going to be in trouble if you're resurrected a second time. If you get resurrected, the atheists know they're in trouble, right? So, and if you don't get resurrected, okay, if you don't get resurrected, then what's the loss? So someone once said, hey, um, what happens if I get resurrected? If, if what happens to you believers if there's no resurrection? Okay? Like, there's no loss for us, Right? It's it's even. And if you disbelievers do get resurrected, you're in loss. Guaranteed loss. So you either go neutral and get, or guaranteed loss. That's your choices. Anyone with a half a brain is going to choose to believe. Secondly, it's becoming very clear to us that the little bit of pleasure of disobeying Allah, there is, of course, the Prophet ﷺ himself said, the hellfire or disobedience of Allah. It's surrounded by pleasures. So we admit that. We admit that the initial 
state of disobedience of Allah is pleasure. That's why it's forbidden. Allah doesn't forbid something that you don't like. There's nothing that in the Quran, for example, about the prohibition of drinking, no explicit statement of the prohibition of eating humans or the prohibition of drinking urine, right? Because it's not something anyone wants to do. But there's prohibition of wine. There's prohibition of zina. There's prohibition of these, uh, of these things, of riba, things humans want to do. Why? Because the immediate state is pleasure. But what the West has done is put on full display, if you go the path of pleasure, what happens to your life? You're way off the rails. Like you, are, you have gone so off the rails that the natural fitra of someone who would probably be open to committing sins does not want to commit your kinds of sins anymore. Like you have gone so off the rails, it's to the point of being disgusting. So, Sharia has shown, uh, or, or, or the West has shown us this, and nihilism, okay, this disbelief in anything, and and not having any foundations, what we call thawabit, no foundations, neither in human relationships, nor in the universe. Like, well, what's my relationship to this entire cone, this universe that I'm in? No relations. Like no thawabit. It's just you, 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 you. And when everyone says me, 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 then everyone's cut from everyone else. Now you're on an island by yourself. That's shown the, de- the rate of misery and depression that people are on a- because of that. They've put a- on display that not only is, are, are we benefiting from Dean in this, in the at next life, we know that, but the next life is so far off, we're benefiting in this life. We're benefiting here in this life. Far, it's, it's, when I look at it now, I'm telling you, I used to look at things, and some people went to college in the same time I did. And you know what I'm saying. Used to look at the non-Muslim life, and like they have to admit they're enjoying themselves a little bit more than us, right? That's how we felt in college. But he said, okay, well, because it's belief, it's a short life, and I believe in Allah and his messenger, and I'm going to bite the bullet. Now I look at it, and I think, not only me, the next generation of Muslim kids, a lot of them, I'm telling you, so much, I'm very confident in our future. They may be a a, a percentage-wise decreasing, but there are many, okay? They look at the way that hedonists live their lives, and they find it lonely, meaningless, and quite frankly, disgusting, right? The hedonist way of life, it's something they're turned off of. That's why I said, Iblis, you get an F for the 2020s. In term, if, if you want to take what, what you did with Kufar and push them to the limit, yeah, you push them to a far limit. You push the Western Hemisphere like way in outer space in terms of kookiness. That he did. But in terms of like luring Muslims away from the truth, any, that, that the prerequisite of being stabilized is very little now, right? You, you did a bad job because this, the kufr that you're pr- promoting is disgusting, okay? All right. Can you raise my volume slightly a bit? Just a little bit, yeah. I feel like the youth, like the Muslim youth, yeah. what I've seen is like they'll maybe dabble in like one, one sin, like yeah. one very minor but like for the kafar, it's like, like they take on every. Oh, like they go so they go far. They go like a hundred, like zero to a hundred. It's zero to. It's us, off the chart. Yeah, for us, for us, it's like touching the fire. Like we're just yeah. like coming in and then leaving. And a lot of Muslims have that, right? Yeah. And it's like uh, almost not that I'm tolerant of that, but I understand. Like you got a thousand temptations if a Muslim falls into two or three or one. I understand that, right? But it's going to be limited, and it's uh, it's something that they know. Right, their limits, but their people fall into some sins, and it's not something that it was permanent damage. That's the key. that's the most important thing. It's not a permanent damage that like you could walk back from this. Couple Umrah, Hajj, uh, a sickness. You grow up. Whatever happens, you meet a friend, change your friend group, get out of high school, go to a different friend group. Uh, that stuff can fix you up, and that's the bulk of people are like that, right? I find, but it's not permanent damage. But where they are, unfortunately, I have to say, it's like permanent damage. It's like, I don't think there's any, of course, Allah is the guide uh, and, and can guide anyone back. 
but to the there is a, like a, a degree of breaking something that it's like, is there any going back on this thing, right? Like you could snap a piece of wood in a way that can be glued together, or you could shatter it in a way that this is never coming together, right? So, but of course, Allah can guide any, who He wills. Now, listen to Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, what she says, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ يُسْأَلْ عَنِ السَّاعَةِ يُسْأَلْ عَنِ السَّاعَةِ يُسْأَلْ عَنِ السَّاعَةِ There's no tashkir here, so I had to assume that it's يُسْأَلْ عَنِ السَّاعَةِ And يُسْأَلْ, this form, يُفْعَلْ ضَمَّ سُكُون فَتْحَ يُفْعَلْ يُسْأَلْ يُشْرَبْ يُؤْكَلْ It's the passive form. So it means the Prophet was asked about the Day of Judgment. So when you want to put the object front and center and the, the subject of the verb, you want him to push him away from the, the mind of the listener because language is all about painting a picture. So if I want to put the, the, the object, the recipient, front and center, I remove the subject, I don't mention him at all, and the action... I put it in what's called this passive form, yuf'al form. Okay, so if, I, if, if, if our subject is the apple, I say the apple was eaten. And I don't care who ate it, right? It's not, I don't want you thinking about who ate it. But what I want you to think about is that the apple was eaten. That's called the passive form. It's passive because you don't see an action. You see the recipient of the action. So that's the type of form. Um, it's called al-fi'l al-ladhi lam which is very simple. The verb whose actor, whose subject was not named. Okay. Okay. So the messenger peace be upon him was asked. So the prophet is the main person in our minds now. And that he was asked is the topic. Until Allah revealed, So, Allah Ta'ala revealed in Surah Al-Nazi'at, they ask you about the afterlife, or, or sorry, the end of time, the, the judgment day. Okay. What does you have to do with it? That's literally, what, 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 what is, how are you to mention it? Or there, you can read it in two ways. What is your position of mentioning it? How will you, O Muhammad Sallallahu mention it? Or you could also read it as, what is it to do with you? The Prophet's not going to enact the Day of Judgment. And then what, and, and it's put in this point that what are you so worried about when the afterlife is going to happen? Uh, when the Day of Judgment? When is the end of life on earth? What difference does it make to you? You worry about your end of life. That's what matters. We know that this, uh, the life on this earth is going to end. We know that as a fact. In, in our religion, that is a fact. The end of life is, gonna, is something that will happen. What's it to me? What I worry about is what my end of life. So the qiyamah, the day of judgment of every, every single one of us is when our life comes to an end. That's what's important. Okay? Not the end of all humans. What also is important is the signs of the end of time, not insofar as when it's going to happen, but insofar as their means to increase our iman. Our iman is increased by, by hearing about these signs. Because when you hear about a sign of the end of time, it increases your faith. And one of the reasons behind that is that it's the idea that there will be so much time will have elapsed from the Prophet to that time that people's faith will get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. Okay. And once people's faith get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker, they need the signs of the end of time to feel that the Prophet's amongst us. And that's the concept and the idea. You feel the Messenger وسلم, is amongst us, right? When he says a sign of the end of time and we see it right in front of our faces. That's the idea. That's the concept. So, it's, this is an affair of Allah Ta'ala. He'll de- de- decide and determine when is its time. Next hadith is from Ibn Abbas. That the mushriks, the pagans of Mecca, they asked the Prophet, peace be upon him. When is the afterlife going to rise? Mocking the Prophet, peace be upon him. 
Okay. So when is it? When's your day of judgment? As some people, they make fun of anything in the deen, right? They make fun of all of our promises. They make fun of all these things. Okay. And they said, and the Quran mentions, yes, they ask you about the, after, the, the, the end of time, the day of judgment. When is it coming? What is it your business? Okay. In other words, next one is on Surah An-Nabah. لَمَّا بُعِثَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمْ جَعَلُوا يَتَسَاءَلُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ When the Prophet, peace be upon him, was sent with the message, the Kuffar of Quraysh started saying, started asking, is it true? Muhammad claimed he's the messenger. Is this true? Is that true? Okay. And Allah revealed, So you see that early revelation, a lot of it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answering the kuffar who are trying to attack the Prophet. Okay. If you go to the later uh, verses, you'll find that it's believers asking fiqh questions, asking sharia questions. I shouldn't say fiqh, uh, sharia questions because there's a difference between sharia and fiqh sharia is allah's law fiqh is where the 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 revelation has come down with with language that can be understood in different ways so which way is the correct understanding that's called fiqh so that's why we don't say the prophet spoke of fiqh right no it's sharia so at the end of the history of the prophet it's a lot of, at the end of the seerah, it's a lot of questions on sharia. Like, what's halal? What's haram? How do we marry? Etc. How do we divorce? But in the beginning, we find a lot of it, the Meccan surahs, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is answering the Prophet and speaking to the Prophet, peace be upon him, regarding the mockery that Quraysh is doing to him. And how they're trying to make fun of him. How they're trying to put them down. It's something I've said many, many times before that us Muslims in this day and age, you have to have a thick skin. They're going to make fun and they're going to mock. And I'm slowly seeing that what, what you guys are on is far worse. Like you are way more confused and you have no stability and you're going to have soon no population. Like you guys are going to be extinct soon the way you guys are living. Okay. Surah Al-Mursalat, Mujahid narrates, وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ اُرْكَعُوا لَا يَرْكَعُونَ It's about thaqif. There's not much there, but there is a fiqhi ruling that if anyone ever tells you to pray, don't say no. If someone says get up, even if it's in the makruh time. Like if someone comes after Asr and says get up and pray, you get up and pray. You should never say, no, I'm not praying. Right? And Imadik, a, a, a youth one time came up, a boy, he doesn't know manners or anything. And he saw Maddox sitting in the mosque. And he said, uh, get up and pray. Right? So I don't know why he said that, but he said that. So Maddox got up and he prayed. And they asked him, oh, Imam, you know that uh, it's the makruh time. He said, but Allah overrides that. He says, If they are told to pray, they don't pray. So he didn't want that to ever say no to Salah. Let's take another example uh, or, or another feature about that. Al-Ruku'ah is some, in some cultures of the Muslims, the word Ruku'ah, Arka' specifically means Sunnah or Nafila. Okay. So I, uh, you go to a masjid, let's say in Yemen, for example, uh, someone says, oh, I'm going to talk to you, but first I'm going to do Ruku'ah. Right? Arka' meaning pray Nafila first. It, this applies anywhere. Sophia is asking, does this apply anywhere? Yeah, it applies anywhere. Anyone, anytime that you're told to pray, pray. Don't say no to Salah. Okay. Surah Al-Insan. Ibn Abbas says, وَأَسِيرَ قَالَ لَمْ يَكُنِ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ يَأْسِرُ أَهْلَ الْإِسْلَامِ وَلَكِنَّهَا نَزَلَتْ فِي أَسَارِ أَهْلِ الشِّرْكِ كَانُوا يَأْسِرُونَهُمْ فِي الْعَذَابِ فَنَزَلَتْ فِيهِمْ فَكَانَ نَبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ يَأْمُرُ بِالْإِصْلَاحِ إِلَيْهِمْ So, uh, Surah Al-Insan talks about 
Q&A sessions coming up in a second. Surah Al-Insan وَيُطْعِمُونَ الطَّعَامَ عَلَىٰ حُبِّهِ مِسْكِينًا وَيَتِيمًا وَأَسِيرًا Surah Al-Insan is where when Surah Al-Insan was revealed the Prophet ﷺ established and commanded that the, 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 the Asara Usara or the Asari which is the prisoners of war be treated well. So there's certain things you could do when you take a prisoner. If we're in a war and I take a prisoner, I have a couple options. I can free him. I can ransom him. I could declare him a slave or I could kill him. I got four options. But what can I not do? Torture him. Cannot torture. Right? Because at that time, the Quraysh were taking prisoners and the Muslims were taking prisoners. So the Muslims would torture just as Quraysh would torture. And the Prophet ﷺ forbade this. You can free them, ransom them, means give us some money or give us some labor and go. You can take him as a slave. Okay, that means, that, now even that was given parameters. You cannot torture in slavery. So slavery would mean reasonable amount of work. You get to eat, you get clothes, you get to sleep and you get to do a reasonable amount of work which is determined by orf, by custom and uh, you can make them work for you and you take the money but you have to feed them you have to close them you have to give them a place to sleep all which is reasonable and acceptable in the time okay the, to comparison to the time you live in are you allowed to flog them without a reason no are you allowed to lash them the way the transatlantic slave trade was done? Or how the West uh, American slavery, what happened there? No. So uh, the torture is not allowed. And then the fourth option is to kill the person. If you kill them, if you choose to kill the, your, your prisoners of war, you also must kill them in the least harmful way possible. Even the Quran says, if you kill, kill in the, le- in the best way. Uh, sorry, uh, Prophet Sallallahu said in hadith, kill ahsinul qatl. It means eat for an animal or a prisoner of war. Do it well. Like, don't uh, make it a prolonged and messy murder. Killing, I mean, that's not a murder. It's an execution. Execution being legally valid. right? Lawful execution, not a sinful murder. So, if you're going to kill and you choose to kill the prisoners of war, then do, then do so in the most harmless way possible. So, Sharia, our religion is one that recognizes the realities of life and is not a fairy tale la la land that can never possibly exist. That's the ideal in the Sharia is to take the real and make it in a way that is, if it's harmful, least harmful. The Sharia recognizes, okay, that there are bad things that are going to happen in this world that are necessary you, there's no escaping them like divorce right like war like bankruptcy but it's done in a way that is least harmful so we don't live in a, a, a an idealistic la la land uh, where everyone's just all happy and absolutely nothing happens that just doesn't exist uh, can you flog a captured enemy for giving false information during times of war? If you have declared them that you're going to take them as a prisoner or a slave, sorry, and he had done something wrong, then qisas would apply to prisoners. And it's always half. Qisas applies half uh, to prisoners. If you catch a POW, a prisoner of war, doing things like burning people, so if you take a prisoner and you make him a slave and then he's doing something wrong, then he can be punished for that. Prisoners have a lot of rights, right? They have a lot of rights. So those rights have to be applied. For example, they can marry. Like once you take a prisoner as a slave, now the slave law applies to him, right? And you have to respect those slaves' law. Okay. Aisha, I'm going to get to your question on why women can't be leaders in Islam. They can't. There are. There's a lot of discussion on that, and in and 
we can't say that there there is not ijma that she can never ever be a leader. There's only ijma that she cannot be the Khalifa. And what's one of the reasons why? And there are the Madiki school, for example, is is holds it to be discouraged for the lead, for a woman to be the leader of a country. Why? Because the leader of a country has to be able to do everything, including fight in the battles. And in the Sharia, it's forbidden to command a woman or to allow a woman to fight in a battle if it's not necessary, right? The only time it's necessary, like if they're invading us, then it's all hands on deck, right? Everyone has to be out there defending the city in some capacity. But if if there's an army that's going far away to fight a a battle, then a woman is not allowed to join that except uh, in in a non-fighting capacity, okay? Uh... A husband is not a father or a husband. They're not allowed to let their uh, the women under their care be exposed to harm. Okay, whether or not they want it doesn't make a difference. Like uh, your daughter comes and says, "I want to go and fight." We say you can be a participant in the army, but you cannot fight. You cannot do the fighting. It's not allowed in the Sharia. Okay, so uh, that's why. It's discouraged for her to be the ruler, because when in the the ruler in Islam should know how to do everything that a, a military soldier can do, and he should be a qadi, and a judge, and an execute uh, executioner as well. He should be. So the only reason that there are soldiers is because the Khalifa is too busy, the king, or the leader is too busy to be a soldier. It's too risky for him to get killed. The only reason that there are judges in the land is because there are too many cases and the Khalifa can't, or the king, the leader, can't see all these, 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 um, uh, these cases. The only reason, if there's an execution, if we're in a small village and we have a small town, a country of 500 people, and the murderer is caught and he's convicted of murder, who does the execution? The leader, Right? The leader in Islam is not to be assigning everything. He's got to do the bulk of the work. Lead the salah. Lead the army. Be the judge. Be the executioner. Okay? And only in the case that he cannot do all that stuff because it's too busy, there's too much work, then he can distribute it out. So Sharia does not allow for a woman to do the execution. And this is the big difference between us and the uh, individualistic liberal philosophy is that we do not own our bodies. The creator owns our body and he has the right to tell us what to do with our body and he knows best. That is the biggest difference. That's why we can't just make one edit in the shitty. I'm not saying the questioner wanted that. You can't just make one. All right, let's just remove this part and put this part. Because the entire foundation of our religion is that God controls our body or he owns our body. He is the sovereign over this body. I can do only what he permitted me to do. I cannot do what he forbade me to do. And I want to do something, or society wants me to do something, the creator said, no, don't do it. That's it. That's how simple it is. Now, the question about Khawla, for example, that was when the war came to them. She didn't go out and say, I'm, I'm part of the army now. That came to them. The soldier came over the wall. That's when we have to do that. Okay? Uh, or, or it's permissible for a woman to be fighting. Of course, when it comes to her. Okay? Uh, so that's the meaning. And that's the understanding of why it's makru. We'll finish off a couple more hadiths on Surah now Al-Insan, and then we'll get to the questions. Sister Maham, oh, subhanAllah, she's had a concussion. Maham, who is, um, she's in concussion protocol. Wow. She uh, is off for two weeks. So concussion protocol for Sister Ma'am. I'm not going to ask what she was doing, right? Um, but she hit her head, obviously, and or something hit her head, and she's in concussion protocol. Allah make it easy for her. Next hadith. Dakhala Umar ibn al-Khattab. Dakhala Umar ibn al-Khattab ala al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wahuwa raqidun ala hasirin. Sayyidina Umar entered on the Prophet, peace be upon him. He was laying down. He was laying down on a straw mat. 
Okay. And his side, the pro- the side of the Prophet had marks on it. Omar. So Omar became sad and he said, uh Prophet said, what's making you sad? I remembered, I thought about Kisra and his kingdom. Wahurmuz Wamulkahu. And Hormuz, which is northern Arabians, and his kingdom. Wasahib al Habasha Wamulkahu. Hormuz, I believe, is North Arabian kingdom. And I remembered the Ethiopians, the Habashi, and their great kingdom. They had a massive kingdom in the old days. And you are the messenger of Allah on a straw mat. The Prophet said, Would it not make you happy that they have the dunya and we have the akhirah? Okay. And Allah Ta'ala revealed, If you look and you look and you look and you keep looking, okay, you will find a monarchy, a kingdom in the akhirah. Right, that is extremely vast and will never you will never reach the end of your kingdom in Jannah. You will never come around and say, Oh, this again. That will never happen. Oh, I've been here before. That will never happen in the Akhirah. Abu Jahl said, If I see Muhammad praying, I'll sit on his neck in sujood. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, have no worry about them. Have no worry. Do not uh, fall for their threats. Don't even obey them. Meaning, pray and do what you have to do. So, very important. Uh, uh, for us because we are people who may fall into some kind of uh, intimidation don't be intimidated means do not be intimidated by these kuffar and these uh, 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 their threats do not be intimidated by them at all all right let's go to uh, Aisha says why do women have to cover young girls are finding it hard what can we say to them uh they have to cover as a protection for them because the verse of Quran, it says directly uh, that it is a protection for you. And protection from what? From being objectified and being um, sought after or treated simply for that reason, uh, for their beauty or even perhaps even abused uh, uh, for that reason. And it's a protection. That's what the Quran says. Uh, as one of the wisdoms. It mentions it as one of the wisdoms, not as a illah. A illah being a purpose. Okay, So that's uh, that's the reason. Women are finding it hard. I'll tell you what, the only thing that will make it easy is hang out with other girls who are doing the same thing. If, you, if, if I had to wear a thobe and walk around, let's say, uh, my local town, right? I might feel like everyone's going to look at me. But if I got 10 guys also wearing a thobe, I'm with a group. We're all doing this. This is our thing. So I, I would highly recommend for the sister um, to, do, to, to, to find friends. Uh, you can't tell a little girl on her own, okay, you're 13 now, you have to wear hijab. But had she had hijabi friends before that? And in our local township, they have a, like a party. Every time a sister, a girl puts on hijab, they have a hijab party for her. It's like, something where girls attend that growing up and they know this is part of life why because the girls five old five years older than me do it that i hang out with the girls i want i befriend at the masjid they do this and that and and it's something that becomes a norm at that point so that's the best that's the best way to do it um all right q a first go to arcview.org and take classes Okay. Go to arcview.org and take classes. Uh, you have to learn your religion. They're pre-recorded classes. You take them at your own pace, but you've got to learn. Okay, 
And when you go to the website, you'll find the theme of the picture relates back to the subject matter. Right? So, aqidah is gemstones. Fiqh is masajid. Like that. Uh, hadith is, mm, I think it's, hadith is, is emblems, circular emblems. I think so. Tafsir of Quran is like um, calligraphy. So you'll see, so it's easy for you to see what's what, what's what subject. All right, let's go to Mahasid. I believe this is. I have received this question so many times. I don't understand the logic of this question. Can you call the messenger a rebel? Okay. What is a rebel? A rebel is a negative term. A bari is someone who rebels against the true or the legitimate ruler with violence. That's the definition of a rebel. Somebody who, who rises up with arms against the legitimate authority. The Prophet ﷺ never did that. In Mecca, he never lifted a weapon once. He did not lift a weapon once in Mecca. When he went to Medina, and now it's its own city now. It's a city-state by itself with its own ruler. Then he declared war as one legitimate state declares war against another legitimate state. That's not a rebel. rebel. Now, at that point, that's a war. That's a declaration of war. So that's the difference. So we do have a concept in the Sharia of of how to engage in war, just like we have a concept of how to engage in divorce. Does Sharia want divorce? No, but we have a way how to do it if it's necessary. Okay. Let's go now to the question on Turkish women historically fought alongside their men. They used to drink the blood of their enemies. Allahu alam. I don't know if that's the case, but she's saying it's the case. Well, nobody's saying it. The person is a nobody. So the Senate stops, basically. Uh, I don't know about that. But uh, it could be because there was a need. Yeah, like this issue of war and fighting is practical. If you have no choice except that you need to enlist your your women, then that is considered like protecting your, your existence. But to send them off, okay, I need you to go off fighting in uh, uh, in Persia or, or, or in Yugoslavia. No, that's not allowed. Uh, Yusuf, uh, I want to ask a question, but it's too sensitive. You can send me an email or you can go to Instagram and send a message there. Muhammad, if I go to McDonald's, it's a Christian country. Can we eat it? No, it's not a Christian country. There are Christians in the country, but it's not a declared Christian country. And it's not, when, when we say Christian country in this respect, what we mean by it, or what the Sharia means by it, is that the slaughtering is done in Christian ways. And we know for sure that's not the case. Is it permissible to call someone a god of football? No. Best to stay away from such kind of language. Are the prophets alive in their graves? The life in the grave is the barzakh. The word barzakh just means the middle zone. Okay. The middle zone between two zones. What are the two abodes? The abode of life in this world and life in the resurrect after the resurrection and the qiyamah. And so the, the prophets have a greater life. They have a greater life in the barzakh than in this life. Aisha says, no, we have no concept of drinking kafir blood. <laughs> Get your facts right. All right, she, there you go. The, uh, I mean, it sounds crazy. Who, who's, who, where is that in the history? All right, l- listen, listen to this. Is it permissible to go to a mixed gym? No, I don't, I don't hold that to be, I hold that to be, if, if you're a woman... Your being seen is an issue. If you're a man, your being seen is not much of an issue. Okay? So, in the difference between genders, to be seen, let's say in tight clothes or jumping up and down, and your body form is revealed. That's the form, the issue. That is more of an issue for a woman than it is for a man. And for 
to see others and to hear, of course, the music is another issue, but let's just limit it to being seen and seeing. For, to, for a man to be seen jogging is not much of an issue in, in our Sharia. Oh, it's not equality. Forget equality. That's your worldview. We're the worldview of God is the sovereign over our bodies, and he can tell us what to do. So in that, given that premise, these are the rules. But for a man to see others, w- women, is sinful. So technically, if a man was to turn his, his treadmill towards the wall and just look at the wall the whole time, it doesn't make a difference who sees him. But if a woman was to do the same thing, it's not permitted because her body is going to be revealed by the movements in the gym. And if she was to go to a gym and find a way that nobody would see her, then it's permissible, right? If you're guaranteed that somehow, like let's say a certain hour of the day that no one's there, then it's permissible. But if you are going to be opened up to being seen, that's the issue. I'm not sure about other states, but at least in New Jersey, there's not. When I went to Canada, like majority of the gyms are like seclusive. Like oh, they're Canada they're they're different. Canada. Yeah, that's but good. We we need to have that. We need so to have separate gyms. Yeah. We need to have separate gyms. Uga Panda, you came to Juma with us to at MBSE, and you didn't talk to us after all these years or all these episodes. You could. Did you guys go? Oh, that's good. Was it a big group? Four or five guys. Last time we had a break, it was like, remember that time? I don't know if you were there, like almost like 30 guys at the dinner. Mahmoud, Muhyiddin, my daughter is about to reach puberty. How do I go about hijab? Well, I think the best way is the women in your family to do it there the, and then know best the way to do these things. There are certain things that are sort of best done that way that are gender specific. But let's say a guy, let's say it's me and I'm a guy and I have a daughter and I don't have any women in my family. This is not, I'm not giving you the rest way to do it. I'm just going to tell you the way I do it. I'm going to say, you're about to reach puberty. Okay. You have to wear hijab. You see what your sister's doing? You see what your grandma did? You see what your mother did? So, open the website, pick your hijabs, right? And it's Saturday, and you start wearing them on Monday, right? That's it, right? Direct and straight, but in a nice way. But I don't know, you have to ask the women how to do that. I've never done this before. The women of the family have done that in our family. They've had those conversations. All right, let's go. Um, what is it? Can a Muslim women woman therapist provide therapy for couples? Yes, she can. And a man by himself. In theory, there's nothing wrong with a woman giving advice uh, to a man about his marriage. And in fact, sometimes you do need the perspective of a woman, right? Having uh, like lived with a woman, I know that they're, they have perspectives that you would have never thought about, right? And it, and I, uh, it needs to be, it needs to be there, especially in interactions, right? Like if it, if there's a, if there's a objective decision, then you don't need, it's not men or women you need, it's smart people you need. Someone smart. Someone whose mind is clear from clouding by emotions, right? That's what you need if it's an objective decision. If it's a manner of communication and a manner of persuasion, uh, a woman's perspective is actually really good, right? They know how to persuade better and de-escalate matters better, right? So. Yeah. Oh, it's a whole new world, right? How they view things. Yeah, because and and there's a reason for that. There's that's one of the wisdoms of Allah created different uh, differences amongst us. Um, there was a question about sajda to shukr. It doesn't exist in the Madiki method, but it exists in other methods. We don't have sajda to shukr in the Madiki school. You pray two rakahs of shukr, nafila, right? 
two rakahs nafila that you could do nafila at any time if you want to give nafila to be shuk, uh, give shukr to Allah that, that's ahlan wa sahlan What does it mean so that they are known? Yes, so that they are not seen. Means their curves and their body is not seen. That's the meaning when it relates to hijab. It's that their bodies and their form is not apparent to the people. So coverage in our, in our religion is transparency. Uh, uh, it is that which is not transparent and not form-fitting. So, for example, a person is not allowed, to, is forbidden to have form-fitting clothes uh, in certain cir- circumstances. For example, salah. Can you pray salah with leggings? No, you cannot. Your, your, your legs are not, are not uh, covered. Right? Form-fitting clothes is not covered, coverage. So you'd have to put a sarong on or something like that. A sarong is like um, lungi. Is there something we can do, says Vanti, to decrease our ego? Yes, make dua for the people you envy. Okay. Uh, Khalili al-Maliki about, is asking about Thamruddani as an alternative to Sharh Quduri. I would say better than Thamruddani, better than the Risala in terms of uh, the logic of the book and the even the opinions because the Risala has opinions that are not the uh, the mashhur um, is Qaribatul Masalik which is also known as Sharh Al Amrusi. It's not a PDF, unfortunately. You got to track it down. You got to buy the book. All right, Muhammad Munam. He says, "My sister is getting married, but there will be mixing and music and dancing." I have no say. What should I do? Uh, I'll tell you the truth of the matter. The way we do things here in the situations is you show up, you smile, you walk out. You go again, you smile, say hello to everyone, you walk out. Uh, you, uh, you go in, you eat your dinner, you walk out. You go find other brothers who are like you and you go take a walk, right? And you don't really attend in the building as much as you can. You get out of that room as much as you can. That's how I do it. Uh, what is a Lodi saying? She, yeah, she's agreeing with somebody who said that all of this stuff in the Dean that is hard, it makes it so easy when the when you're doing it as the whole family's doing it, the whole community's doing it, and you don't put much attention on it, but it has to get done. But it's so so easy when you're when you're doing it like that. Okay. When it when it's everyone's doing it. That's the key. Muhammad says, Does Allah remove blessings in a person? Life and give them hardships because of a sin they committed. If they refuse to make tawbah, then yes, that can be a curse. If they harmed somebody, and they did not repent from that harm, then yes, it can be a curse against them. That can happen. But if they made tawbah, then the hardship will still come down upon them, but Allah will make it easy, and they will make them see the benefits of it. Let's go to um, a quick mention of patreon.com backslash Safina Society. You got to go to patreon.com backslash Safina Society and be a supporter. Patreon supporters are extremely important. Okay. And that's how we operate this podcast and this live stream. Someone is asking, is it possible on ArcView to download and then listen? At this point, downloading is not possible. You listen just from that, from the web. From You log in and you listen from there. Mo Azhar 
says, what are the consequences in this life for sins? Every time I commit sins, I feel like I have a bad day and it happens. No, don't have a bad opinion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, if something bad happens, you could say it's a, it's a, it's a kafara of my sins. It's an expiation of my sins. But don't have a bad opinion of Allah. We don't live like that. The Muslim, he feels, we feel, oh my gosh, uh, I've done something terrible and I feel like I have a mountain on my head. But we don't feel that Allah Ta'ala is out with a whip for every believer who commits a sin and looking to hurt them. You make tawbah. And you know Allah's forgiving. You make tawbah. You should feel bad about your sins, but think good of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. That's the meaning of fear and hope. We balance between fear and optimism. Is the fear is like, I'm afraid okay, of the consequences of these sins. But my hope is that Allah is generous. Allah is forgiving. And we know that we don't deal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, we know that Allah ta'ala does not deal with his believers without mercy. Okay. Okay, so Mahasid says, I got your point, but does this uttering that the Prophet is a baghi, is it kufr? I would say that if they understand what a baghi is, maybe they think it's cool, a rebel, right? Just someone going against a bigger power. If that's what they understand, then, then yes, then, then that's, they could be just taught that that's wrong. If he knows what he's saying, then we flog him, we behead him, execute him, whatever you want to do. But yeah, it is a problem. He should say his shahada again and make tawbah. By the way, I love these Qataris. A guy came with the Crusader outfit. Apparently, this is the British uh, mascot, is the Crusader outfit. They banned him, right? I'm all for this, by the way. We got our own set of principles and ideas. It's time for people to tell the Western hegemony over all this, no. No, you're not coming with one love bands. No, you're not coming dressed as a Crusader. If you don't like it, deport, flog, ban, execute, whatever you want to do. Enough is already, like, it's when you see a bully, you got to just say enough is enough. Honestly, if it was South America, poor old South America, and they had their own set of rules, and the West is coming down, and these journalists and these obnoxious ideological colonizers are coming down and trying to arrogantly impose their, 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 beliefs on them i would support the aztecs or the incas or whoever the south american whatever their law was i would support them it's the issue of being of of the nerve and the arrogance of these people it's just too much right it's too much in general there's a worldwide feeling now that the west you just got to be put in your place right and it's not just the old white men which the left and the liberals have taken up no you too left and liberals need to be told to shut up. And we need to rise up. This anti-wokeness has to rise up. I'm, 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 I'm a fan of uh, DeSantis. Uh, whatever his first name is, I don't remember. What, in America, there's a, there's a politician named DeSantis. This guy is extremely accomplished. He's a military man. He's a, like a Marine. He's a lawyer. He's a Harvard grad. He's a Yale grad. This guy, is, he's got every accomplishment you can imagine. And he's taken on the wokists. And I'm all for it. Of course, by the way, he's no friend of Muslims, to be honest with you. All these Protestants, all these Christians and Catholics, they're no friends of Muslims. But nonetheless, I'll take it uh, for them to destroy the wokists. Okay. I'm all for that. Neba, is there a way we can identify whether something in our life is given to us due to hard work or whether it is a test? Yes. If you're given something and Allah wants it, you to enjoy it and to love it and it's a reward for you, there's a sign. Okay. The sign of that is that you react to it with gratitude to Allah and sadaqah. That's how simple it is. 
and that you enjoy it only in what is halal. So if let's say I come upon a wonderful situation in life where my income is now, let's say, a modest number, $50,000 a month, okay? That's my income. And I now ask myself, is, is Allah testing me with this? Like, am I, is this a punishment for me to lead me astray or something? Or is it a reward? Well, ask yourself how you react. If you react by saying, this is a gift from Allah and it's a test, I'm going to not use it except in the halal. I'm not going to make people feel bad about how much money I have by showing up with, for example, uh, a, a, a type of car that nobody else can afford and make people feel bad about I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to use it in what is forbidden, and I'm not going to be selfish about it. I'm going to give away $1,000 a month, $2,000 a month. I'm going to help people. I know so-and-so is struggling, and $1,000 a month can make their life real easy. I'm going to give them 1000 bucks a month. And you start behaving like that, and you always say, hey, don't get off your guard. This money is a test. Enjoy it in what is halal and what is moderate too. Innal musrifina kanu ikhwan ash-shayateen. Overspenders, they're the brothers of shaitan. Because once you get into the realm of overspending, right? There's no limit. So, what is modest spending? Modest spending is not well, $500 is nothing in comparison to my income. So a $500 shoe. What is $500 when I make 50 grand a month, right? That's not the right way to do it. The right way to do it is the people I live with, my brother, my father, my cousins, my friends. What is the average shoe cost? Someone say maximum 150, maximum 180, max. And minimum 30 bucks, right? So your poor friend, his, his shoes are 30 bucks. Your rich friend, his shoes are 180 bucks. That is the norm. That's how we judge moderate moderation. We don't judge moderation based on, hey, buy a $500 you know, shoe for a 12-year-old who's going to grow out of it in two months anyway. Well, what's $500 compared to my $50,000 a month income? That's not how we do it. We do it based upon the people that we live around. How do I ground myself? By going to the masjid and keeping my family ties. Two things. That's how you ground yourself. You ground yourself by, uh, by going to the masjid, everyone's there. The rich and the poor. And everyone in between. So that gives you a concept of what ra- reasonable spending looks like. And your family ties. Your family's not going to all be rich, most likely, right? So that will also... You'll be embarrassed even. Like if, you, if you're close with your family... If you're close with your masjid, you'd be embarrassed to show up with a Bugatti or like a McLaren. Like I would personally be like sort of embarrassed. First of all, I'd never be able to talk about Zuhd again, right? (laughs) But I would personally not want all that attention. I would personally feel like a lot of people are going to feel bad, right? They're going to feel like, they're going to say, oh, congratulations. But internally, that guy, that friend of yours, he's got a wife, how is she going to view him after that? Oh, look what your brother has. Oh, your brother's now driving a McLaren. Yeah, it's almost as nice as your Honda, right? So you are a cause of fitna, in my view. We got to go to Madiki Fit class. Ladies and gentlemen, Jazakumullah khairan. Okay. And let's root against all these woke teams. Germany, zero wins, one tie, one loss. All right, that's because you're so busy being woke and being politically correct. Why don't you focus on soccer? Maybe you'll get into the finals as you usually do. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to stop. Unfortunately, we will go. If you want to join the fit class, you can join it. Inshallah ta'ala. Uh, get in there and go to the Madiki school. Get into the Telegram and they will give you, uh, they, they'll give you the app. Uh, or the link to get in and support us on patreon.com backslash Safina Society. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik anashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiru kunatu ilayk wal asr inna al-insana lafi khusr
الا الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمه الله I'm